There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, this is Alan Wharton. We're cutting through the Matrix on the 12th of May 2010. For newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. I always stress you bookmark all the other sites you'll see there because I do have trouble with the Yahoo.com right now and eventually I'll, I'll probably get pulled. So if you've got the, the alternate sites bookmarked, you can download just the latest shows from my other sites. They're all on that site listed there. And remember, too, that while you're at it, while you're in there, look and see the books I have for sale, the DVDs, the discs I have for sale, because that helps me to trickle over along with occasional donation. And it's expensive to do what I do. And believe you me, it's more than any full-time job. I wouldn't pick this in a million years if it was just for money. But it's up to you, the audience, to keep me going, and you can do so by buying the books, donating, buying the discs as well, of course, and... Passing, them, passing the word around of what I'm doing, bring more people into the shows, although there's lots coming in all the time, the more the merrier, uh, because this is a war to the finish here uh, for things that are and things that will be. And the things that will be are not to our liking, believe you me, when they're coming down the pike, and they're, they're in sight now, in fact, all the things are, that we're about to have hoisted upon us. So remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use personal check, you can also use an international postal money order from your post office. You can use Western Union, MoneyGram. You can use PayPal to donate or to order just in a separate email with your name and address and order along with the PayPal donation, and I can get it out to you. Some send cash, and same for across the rest of the world. Cash, MoneyGram, Western Union, or PayPal for ordering and donating. Separate email, remember, to me with the PayPal donation, and I'll get it out to you. Lots of folk just get the disc burned and passed. They've gone off computers altogether because it's been all in the newspapers for the last year or so, just how much data they're storing on everybody and the fact that they're monitoring every single person every day and storing all their communique. So they're going to off them all together. They play these CDs on their, their players. You can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, site 41. Box 4, Estair, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P for Peter, the number 3, E for Elizabeth, the number 4, N for Nora, the number 1, P3E4N1. And as I said before, all the things that are coming down, the things that will be, are now turning the bend in the creek, and we're, we're seeing them manifest themselves. And those at the top who've been working in institutions for this, these long-term goals of theirs, are rejoicing because they really believe they have us in enough stage of chaos that will accept everything, a whole new way of living, a new regimented society from cradle to grave with so many agencies controlling us all through our lives and that we will simply 
be too content uh, playing video games, watching TV, uh, staring at porn, and all of that kind of stuff as the entertainment really wraps up into more violent, more sexual themes all the time. That's uh, how they're, ca- they're countering this too, keeping people from thinking about the hard facts to keep them in a form of double mind and double speak. Uh, they partly know what's going on, partly a little bit in the back of their minds. The rest of it's mixed in with their media, their news, their mainstream news, which is like a circus. It's presented like a circus. As you go from horrific deeds and murders and rapes on your news over to Afghanistan and drones blowing up hundreds of people that happened to be standing around, and everything's a big, surrealistic circus. They don't care. They're out of the picture. They're out of the running back after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. The matrix I always describe as a, it's where everything comes from. Your, your whole reality is given to you really. You, you're born into this reality and it has many other realities within it. Uh, you're given one at the bottom level of course generally and the, there are different classes of people given higher realities and then you have those who help run the world system who are given uh, more hard facts and data from archives, a different education completely too on the past. And a lot of it's to do, just like the ancient fears being taught by the priests, they get taught by their fathers and their uncles how the world really runs and how the, the cons of rulership, because that's all rulership's about, is conning people really these days, how they're carried out and how you can use mass manipulation by using the subconscious urges of the great, the great unwashed masses, I should say. And part of the plan, I've gone over it so many times, it gets so sickening, but unfortunately that's what we're in. If you're in a war uh, and you are fighting every single day, you have to get together with your captains and your, your majors and so on, and you discuss the war and your strategies, you get pretty sick of it too, but you've got to do it every day because you are in a fight for life and death, literally. And this is no different. It's no different at all because those at the top who believe that they're the most evolved of all and have the right to dominate us, not just dominate us, but now reduce and cull off, definitely cull off a lot of us as they have been doing with inoculations and now the GMAO food until we have populations that are coming down with incredible allergies. Everybody has amazing allergies. Children are born with them now. Children, some children have their skin peeling off them. And they just don't understand what's happening, this new phenomena. Like the sterilization, which is strange too. They just don't know why the men are going infertile. And then other scientists will say, well, here it is. And they give you all the data and why. And it's ignored again. And you're back to the big question mark. We don't know what's causing it. There's an article I was going to read earlier. And I didn't bother because it, it's, it's, it's terrifically horrible. But it's also kind of passe in this day and age. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll see what I mean by that when I get through this little story. It was from the Sunday Times on the 25th of April 2010. Doctors sterilize Uzbek women by stealth. A mother with her newborn baby soon after delivery in the maternity ward of a hospital 
She says she found out her, when her baby died soon after delivery, Gulbahar Zavadova, 28, a poor farmer's wife, longed to be pregnant again. After months of trying, she and her husband visited a doctor who told uh, her she could never have another child because she had been sterilized. She didn't know it. The procedure had been performed immediately after she gave birth by doctors who didn't ask her consent. On learning she could not bear children, her husband left her. Not a day passes without me crying, she said. I was outraged when I found out what they'd done. How could they do such a horrible thing without asking me? You see, this is what the point of it is. And you have to go into the writings of all of these eugenicists and uh, elitists at the top, like Holdren, John Holdren, and the book he participated in um, uh, to do with bringing the population down by stealth. Because Holdren said uh, they could do it in third world countries where there's, there's less education uh, and get away with it quite easily. They wouldn't have to be uh, terribly devious. Just don't tell the patients what you're doing to them. Uh, but he said for the West, for the Canada, for the U.S. and Canada and the, Europe, they'd have to use stealth methods where they'd have to use something in the food or inoculations to carry it out. And he's, in, he's up there with Obama now. We should be very afraid. I keep telling you that. And they're there for a reason now. They're there for a very good reason now. There are no coincidences when these guys get in and get appointed on the boards of governments across the world all at the same time. Back to the story, it says, according to the human rights groups, tens of thousands of young women like Zavadova have been sterilized without their consent in the authoritarian former state of Uzbekistan. And it says the sources of the measure was ordered by Islam Karamov, the president who has ruled with an iron fist for 20 years, the policies aimed at keeping down the country's poor population. So you don't want the poor to breed, same as Charles Galton Darwin uh, in his book, The Next Million Years. He says, with 28 million people, it is Central Asia's most densely populated state. Activists say mass sterilization began in 2003, but was eased after two years following an outcry. It's said to have restarted in February this year when the health ministry ordered doctors to recommend sterilization as an effective contraceptive. Sterilization as an effective contraceptive. Critics claim every doctor was told to persuade at least two women a month to have the procedure. You see, that's national health care, folks. You see, when a, do- a doctor works for the health care system of, of the, the government, he's an agent of government. And people better get that through their heads. They do what they're told. But the reason I didn't mention this one before was because I was thinking about uh, what's been happening in the West. And I've gone through so many articles over the years on fertility in the West, plummeting, and the phthalates and the bisphenol A's and so on, and the chemicals you get into the mother's body by design, uh, when the baby boy is between 8 and 12 weeks, literally they actually produce some sperm then, and if that can be stopped right then with the phthalates and bisphenol A, which is in the cosmetics and different things that the woman uses very, every day pretty well, um, it sterilizes the male for life. They know all this. They've known it for 50, 60, 70 years. So it's not an accident. And so in Wise Up Journal... He's got an article from the Daily Mail, The infertility time bomb are men facing rapid extinction. One in five men could suffer for, from fertility problems, and scientists have warned that it's just going to get worse. It's amazing. They don't know what's causing it, but they know it's just going to get worse. 
There's a crisis brewing, but it's nothing to do with the economic deficit or the current uh, political uncertainty. Scientists are warning that rising levels of male infertility have become so perilous that it's a serious public health issue, and some go even further. One science writer even suggested in starkly terrifying terms that if scientists from Mars were to study the male reproductive system, they would possibly conclude that man was destined for rapid extinction. And if it continues, this trend could indicate men are on a path to becoming completely infertile within a few generations. Reports claim that as many as one in five healthy young men between the ages of 18 and 25 produce abnormal sperm counts. It's actually much higher. I'll find that link from one I put up last year. It was uh, The Disappearing Male from CBC Canada, a good documentary. It's much higher than that. It was more like one in, more like five in 25 uh, um, um, had some kind of motile or movable sperm. The rest were dead. It says only 5 to 15% of their sperm is good enough to be classed as normal under World Health Organization rules, proving that infertility is not just a female problem. Indeed, amongst those who experience difficulty with contraception, the male fertility problem is considered as important in about 40% of couples. So, they know that this is happening. Uh, one of the, the experts in the field said sperm comes are declining, and there's mountain evidence that the problem starts even before birth, says Dr. Gillian Lockwood, medical director of Midland Fertility Services. She cites growing evidence that although the process of sperm production, known as spermatogenesis, starts in adolescence, the crucial preparations are made in the few months before and after birth. Factors such as women eating a lot of... They actually go into beef eating and rubbish like this. There's nothing to do with that. But it just does actually mention uh, the chemicals, the damaging chemicals that can come out too uh, from pesticides, etc. Plastics, of course, for the bisphenol A and the phthalates. And even soya beans are all thought to have a bearing on a male fetus's fertility future. Experts talk of a window of testicular development that begins... In the growing fetus and ends in the first six months of life, problems in this period mean that the baby boy may never be able to reproduce babies of his own. So it's on track, it's working, you see, uh, because that's, that's a stealth method uh, that Mr. Holdren uh, said in the book he was working with, with Paul Ehrlich, another guy who wanted to drastically er- eradicate all the useless eaters on the planet when they wrote the book Eco-Science. And folk will never really, really get it, will they? They'll never, ever really get it, what's really going on. It's strange that how it must always be someone else that's got it. Or is it going to get it? That's how we, we think, like Russian roulette. Like the, I think people see the news now and read things and it doesn't affect them. That's why the, when they're told that their privacy has been, all their private, private uh, material has been uh, stored for government agencies, they don't really want to believe it, and they carry on uh, in denial, in, in, in a purposeful, choiceful denial. And that's their problem. Now remember, too, that uh, I mentioned an article last year as well, where the UN Health Organization had, with its umbrella group that they send in all these NGOs, uh, the, the UN supplied all the abortion kits, and they abor- aborted 
um, lots of babies and sterilized women in Peru. Thousands of them, I think it was something like 50-odd thousand, had been sterilized without their knowledge. And that, again, was done by stealth, just simply didn't tell them. And now they're all uh, sterilized under the wonderful United Nations. Isn't that just great? Might try and find that too and put it up tonight on my links. Now remember too, you'll find the links that I put up are in the audio section archive um, at the end of the show. You'll see it on the front page for a few days and then it goes into the archives along with uh, all these other links I mention. But what a world we're into. What a world. It's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. And they haven't stopped there, folks. I'll tell a little story about how they use prisoners to test what I'm going to talk about now to blast the sperm in the male testes sonically back after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. I read parts of a book on the air maybe a couple of years ago and it was called Acres of Skin and it was a, a history of prisoners that had been used in the US in prisons uh, who were used to test out various uh, nefarious chemicals and inoculations and other things. Some of them even had... Um, uh, I think it was radiation applied to the genital area to see how fast they could sterilize them, stuff like that. These were all officially sanctioned by the U.S. government, and uh, it's a horror story. And the reason it was called Acre, Acres of Skin is because the, the Mengala-type character who was in charge of this when he saw all the prisoners at his disposal for his tests, that's what he said himself. Ah, we've got Acres of Skin. That, that was his field. And then he went to work on it and uh, made an awful mess of a lot of these lives. Killed a lot too, of course. All under the guise of experimentation for to save people in the future and all that nonsense that they give us when they're... Same with DARPA, is they want to brain implant quadriplegics. That's what this military-industrial complex is all about, helping quadriplegics, right? Now, it's about death and destruction in the future. But anyway, this put me in mind of this article here, and it's from the Mail Online, and 12th of May today. It says, The male pill, ultrasound hailed as new contraceptive for men. It's the testis blaster. It's another nickname for it, or sperm blaster. Ultrasound is being hailed as a cheap, reversible, reversible, really, contraceptive for men, offering a potential new birth control option for couples throughout the world. Scientists claim a one-off blast of ultrasound is enough to stop sperm production for up to six months. Well, I'd say that's quite the blast, folks. As his clinical trials currently underway suggest the technique could finally provide the male equivalent to the female contraceptive pill. Lead researcher Dr. James Tsuruta said, we think this could provide men with up to six months of reliable, low-cost, non-hormonal contraception from a single round of treatment. Our long-term goal is to use ultrasound from therapeutic instruments that are commonly found in sports medicine or physical therapy clinics as an inexpensive, long-term, reversible male contraceptive suitable for use in developing 
to first world countries. I wonder how many um, deformed children will be born out of this as it deforms the sperm and everything else uh, when it supposedly wears off. It says, one all sperm reserves, or once, all the, the, once they've all been depleted from the men, he will be temporarily infertile. Researchers from the University of North Carolina claim, I guess they've been testing them on prisoners down there somewhere. Ultrasound, which produces waves of energy with a frequency above the human hearing range, is commonly used in pregnant women to produce scans of unborn babies and to treat sports injuries. Now, I read again an article last year on that because it became so common for women to try and get little photographs to send on their Facebooks to uh, all their, you know, their millions of friends across the world. Um, and they found that these children have much slower learning abilities than the ones who hadn't had ultrasounds at all. And who knows what else it's caused. What they did say was because the brain was enclosed in such a thin skull at the, the time, and this stuff vibrates in a very high frequency, and it isn't much, is much differently at that frequency than microwave radiation. It was a very in-depth article. So here they want to use it on men, and, uh, uh, well, I'm sure some will go for it. Yeah. So the university has been given £67,000 from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, those wonderful guys that just jump from one field to another. It's also to do, mind you, with reducing the population. Remember, he attended the Millionaires Club, they called it, last year, and it was published again in the Irish Free Press. And their whole topic was about reducing the world's population. And Oprah Winfrey and all those characters were there too, remember? I think they held it somewhere in New York. And Mr. Rockefeller, obviously, was there too. It says, but experts warned the long-term effects of the treatment remained unclear. The main contraceptive information project's Elaine Listener said it had not been proved whether fertility would continue to return if a man was subjected to ultrasound blasts over a number of years. The exciting thing, oh, this is the end here. The exciting thing is that we're getting, we're starting to find out, she says. Oh, it's exciting. Exciting. You know, if folk knew what was happening today, we'd have to make Hitler a Boy Scout and Mengele uh, maybe a Cub Scout, you know, because what's happening today is way beyond what they did back then. It's way beyond it. It's happening, folks. It's happening all the time. As you read that book, Acres of Skin, what an eye-opener of what they've been doing in the U.S. and no doubt other countries too with prisoners. Just astonishing. Astonishing. And everything's changed nowadays that we live in. Everything's changed. Uh, morality's utterly gone out the window. The kind of morality at least held people together and gave us a sense of what was right and wrong. Uh, here are the rules, and it was simple to follow. And people were decent. People would help you out. We didn't have the... The, the TV shows where the cops were running or bust through your doors with black outfits and machine guns. They hadn't got to that stage then. It was still the, the local cop. And that's how they portrayed this in places like Britain with silly programs like Dixon of Doc Green, who was kind of half social worker, half father figure to the young and the rest cop. And I'll explain this when I come back from this break, what's happening now in Britain.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. This article I'm about to read is about uh, what happened to a woman who was drowning and what had to be done to save her, and it's from the Mail Online, 11th of May. Hero students leap into river to save drowning woman after police refuse to rescue her. It says that three students risked their lives by jumping into a river to save a drowning woman because the police refused to rescue her, and they said it because it said it was not their responsibility. The 18-year-old uh, took the 18-year-old, I guess, was freedom. Took action after spotting the victim, shouting for help, and struggling to keep her head above the water level. Police were at the scene, but said it was up to the fire and rescue service to save the 37-year-old. Instead, officers held back the crowd from the edge of the river Clyde's bank. Uh, life belts were thrown into the water, but were out of the woman's reach. Graham McGrath, Rosie Lucy, and Reese Black who were walking along the Clyde towards Glasgow Green, jumped into the river near Albert Bridge after it became apparent the officers were not going to do it. After dragging the unconscious woman to the bank, Miss Lucy carried out CPR on the victim, whose lips were blue. They were told the woman was close to death and that they'd saved her life. Mr. McGrath said there was a woman in the water shouting for help. There was somebody throwing life belts to her, but she couldn't get to them. The police were holding people back from the edge of the bridge, Came apart, nobody was going to do anything else. She was getting lower and lower in the water. Miss Lucy said, We realized we were watching someone drown. So they jumped in and pulled her to the bank. Mr. Black then waded in and dragged all three ashore. The, tree, the trio, who are all first year students at Glasgow University, yes, he recalled the rescue, which happened around 1.30 p.m. Saturday. And then they go through the whole scenario. Her lips were blue, blah, blah, and what was happening. And uh, what did the police say? A police spokesman said a 37-year-old woman jumped in the Clyde, was rescued by a member of the public prior to the arrival of the emergency services. Well, by the time they arrived, she'd have been long gone, you see. You see, this is, this is, everything's compartmentalized now. It was like the, when, the, when the, the, the hurricane hit uh, Louisiana, uh, New Orleans, and the neighbors were told not to help neighbors if they were drowning, yet to allow uh, FEMA to do it. And it's, FEMA would stop anyone who was, they'd arrest you, in fact, if you try to help. But, but these cops are standing there, I guarantee you, if uh, they were told to kill some Arab sus- suspect who was drowning in the water, they'd, they'd be blowing his head off for fun. But to go and help somebody's drowning, no, no, they, they won't go and help you. See, this is the society we live in now. This is the society we live in. I've said before, guys who hang about in crowds, I don't care if it's a gang, an army, or police, are, are technically cowards. Do you understand that? They need permission from each other to go as the gang and do something. Then they're all very brave. But on their own, no. A different story altogether. And now you have the divisions of labor in all of their, 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 their forces. Well, that's now our particular department. So what they're going to do is stand and watch a person drown. These same guys, if you dropped a piece of paper or a five-pound note, would fine you for doing so. Immediately. 
That's the society we're in today. You see, all the the structured fabric that held us together has been systematically destroyed through the culture-creating industry and the school system. And egocentric behavior was encouraged, egocentric behavior too, uh, hedonistic behavior, me, me, me. That's all people care about is me, me, me. And a culture like that cannot stand up against tyrants. That's what the tyrants also know. That's why they promoted that kind of culture and lifestyle. They're easily managed. When everyone thinks they're doing their own thing and they don't help each other out, they're all under Big Brother. Big Brother is organizing and ordering them about. There's always a boss. But uh, what you have, as I say, is a, a dysfunctional society today. Very dysfunctional. And what's even more dysfunctional about it is that we're now allowed to read the horrific things that are being done across the world and it's getting us trained that this is all going to be done to us. Now, when the Department of Defense in Britain, followed by uh, the U.S. military, the big boys, their think tanks, came out with the same reports one month after another to do with the projection for the next 30-odd years. They talked about flash mobs arising in the U.S., Canada, uh, European countries, and how the, the authorities were preparing to deal with it. Because there would be food shortages, strangely enough, because, you see, only the five food companies have taken over the entire supply, the world. They've got it at their, at their mercy. All the small farmers, almost all the small farmers are gone by design. And we have um, we've seen what they've been talking about to do with drones, spy drones and all the rest of it. They can blow up people in Afghanistan. And people are forgetting, now that they're sending them over the U.S., they can also blow up you. What do you think all this is, is for? Why would they be flying drones all over the U.S.? Just to spy, you think? Just to spy? No, this is all part of, of a possibly collapsing system to make sure that the dominant minorities stay in power. Last night I read about DARPA, who loves to give us their stuff on brain chipping. Here's another article about DARPA right here. Interesting one, popular science. Out of the blue, DARPA seeks means to manipulate lighting, lightning. And that's from the 21st of uh, December 2009. It says, uh, China and Russia try to control rain clouds and the Dutch use technology to keep low-lying inland areas from flooding. So why should the United States be able to manipulate lightning in an attempt to better understand one of nature's more, most powerful processes, DARPA issued a broad agency announcement yesterday asking for ideas on how to best protect, right, protect American personnel and resources from dangers and costs associated with lightning strikes. To wit, lightning causes more than $1 billion a year, damages to property and so on. And it says disruption of activities, for example, postponement of satellite launches and their corresponding costs. A better understanding of the physics underlying lightning discharge, associated emissions and related processes, for example, uh, tribocharging in the clouds, tribocharging they call it, may lead to revolutionary advances in the state of the art of lightning protection. Now, at the bottom of the article actually says that a lot of folk will actually see this as weaponry, which of course it really is. 
this is forms of creating lightning uh, and directing lightning for weaponry. A couple of years ago, I read articles, and I've read articles since, to do with strobing the clouds with laser beams and so on. This is all tied into the same thing. They've been doing it for quite a few years. And one night in the summer, uh, when it was, wasn't raining, which I think was one day in the summer last year, I, I sat and watched this strobing effect going across the clouds. It was like someone from north to south playing a piano keyboard, just running their fingers up and down it in sequence. And incredible flashes, no noise at the time at all. But they, they eventually built up a thunder and lightning. And it's all to do with the big scientists, the, the scientific community who truly have been risen to the top in the scientific dictatorship type of mentality that Aldous Huxley and others talked about. They were all kind of for it. So was Lord Bertrand Russell. That's why they have all these supposed supposed experts uh, and science czars appointed to the U.S. government now and across the, the British government and every other government and population experts, which really means depopulation experts, by the way. That's what it means. And I mentioned too that whatever whatever comes along the pike, we're conditioned into it before it happens. We're conditioned without even knowing we're being conditioned, sometimes by little bits and bites on of TV. That's how you get presented with news now, bits and bites of things, never in-depth anything or reasons for the things often. They're just presented in bits and bytes that scatter around your fragmented brain, hard, brain's hard drive. Uh, but you're being programmed, predictive programming. The youth are always programmed primarily through movies, and uh, even it's even in their video games, two coming scenarios, and they'll take it all as quite natural. And um, a few years ago, I've mentioned that the first Loyola uh, University meeting of world science took place, hosted by Newt Gingrich. And, and then the scientists followed Gingrich's speech. They talked about brain implants and setting up regional area, area computers that would basically interface remotely, broadband-wise, directly with the brains of people with implants. And... They had experts on all of these subjects uh, from all over the world talking. A guy from Japan, a scientist from Japan, said that it was ready to go, and all they had to do really was convince the public to go along with that. That's why we're getting more and more articles now of brain implants. This is getting you prepared, and of course they're using the guys that's going to help people. That's not the reason at all. The guy from Japan, the scientist, actually said at that meeting that um, once this is installed in the brain, There'll be no more individuality. He said, think of it more like the beehive. You'll hear the whispers of commands from the central regional computers going out to those around you, and you'll hear the whispers of coming back from those around you back to the central computer. That's exactly what you saw in those movies with uh, Star, War, Star Trek, with the Borg. When you, they showed you the Borgs, they all lived in this, their heads were full of whispers, from the computer but that's what they said at that meeting their only problem now was to convince the public over a few years to, to take it to accept it and it was ready to go ready to go 
and I, and I said what would happen to, to get it to get it familiar to the public were movies would, would get pushed out very quickly to get us used to the idea, and they came out with the movie uh, Final Cuts. And that was where a chip is put in your, your head when you're very young, maybe at birth even, and it sees through your eyes, it records what you hear, and at the funerals, that's how they presented it, a human interest type story. That was a human interest story, is a hook, you see. That once you die, they can take this out and edit out all the bad bits out of it, uh, and leave you a nice picture of a person growing up, going through their lives, loving everybody uh, for their funerals. That's shown at their funerals, you see. And they've had other movies since to do with, with, with a similar kind of thing. That's how they said they'd do it. And they'd, they also said they'd pay novelists to write it into their stories in science fiction. They've always done that, mind you. Here's from Techman, May the 2nd, 2010. Want a record of your whole brilliant life? Ever think that what it would be like to have a record of your entire life, everything you wrote, watched, heard, emailed, or spoke? Sounds daunting and maybe a little absurd, but Gordon Bell and Jim Gimmel at Microsoft are working on it. Their My Life Bits project is composed of two parts, software to retrieve captured material and an effort to completely document the life of Mr. Bell. Techman heard Mr. Bell speak about the project at the opening of the Seagate Research Centre, in the Strip District. The research centre is gone, but the idea lives on. Mr. Bell and Mr. Gemmel have written a book about the project called Total Recall. Before coming to Microsoft 95, Mr. Bell had a distinguished career that included teaching computer science at Carnegie Mellon University and was helping design the PDP and VAX line of computers for the Digital Equipment Corps. He also co-founded the Computer History Museum. He freely admits that he stands on the shoulders of Vannevar Bush with this idea. Mr. Bush was, in effect, the first presidential science advisor. In 1945, he wrote an article in the Atlantic, Atlantic Monthly magazine proposing a machine called a Memex that could record knowledge and allow its retrieval. The idea foreshadowed the World Wide Web. To build a modern-day Memex, you need devices to record the information. For information in digital form, which is increasingly all information, the hardware is out there. For recording things in the analog world, scanning technology has advanced to allow fast input of written and printed materials. But how do we record things we see and hear each day? Microsoft has developed the SenseCam, a device containing a camera and embedded sensors worn around a user's neck that automatically takes a series of thousands of still images and records ambient light levels, temperature and movement. And that's just a, a part of the predictive programming to get you for the chip, because if you put the chip in you right now, it's much easier to do it step by step. It doesn't spook the people. Researchers at CMU have, have used the SenseCam to allow elderly people to review their experiences during the day as a way of, aid short, of aiding short-term memory. Once we capture the huge amount of data, how do we store it? Advances in hard drive capacity are an answer. A one terabyte, 1,000 gigabyte hard drive now starts at about $75, and drives are getting bigger and cheaper every day. And then they go on to what that can actually store, and all the other technology they can add to that to store it uh, more and more and more as they go along. 
says, Mr. Camel and, Do- and Roger Lauder have written database software that makes annotation easy, adding a text note to files even by voice so they can be found. Advances in facial recognition and video and audio search soon will make it easier to find any kind of material. So you see how everything works together and uh, you're always given it first. Generally, you're given it after world meetings and scientists and so on. But it's presented to you through movies and little science blurbs on television. And they try to get trendy in their science fiction especially. The youngsters are fascinated by this idea. They think it's going to give them lots of powers. Some of them actually think they can go into this virtual world and fight and win. Never realizing that just like the Matrix movie, as Neo was told by the Grand Architect, that there wasn't a single move that he couldn't do because it was all predicted. Every possible move he could do was predicted by the programmer. So you can't fight on an equal term on anything. So we're on a a fast, fast decline into really the end of, of a part of a system till they bring in the new, we're getting sterilized, we're dying off. There's lots of nice new diseases going on the go. And, um, and at the same time, uh, they want everyone chipped and monitored. And we're allowing it all to happen. The folk in the cities have no privacy whatsoever, but most don't mind. They're already gone, folks, and you have to accept that. Most are already gone. Don't waste your time with those ones. Back after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And just before I go to a caller, one last article I'll put the link up too. And it's from the Mail Online in Britain. Uh, talking about the cops who won't help people who are drowning. Pagan police win the right to take time off for festivals, 11th of May 2010. It says Pagan police officers have been given the right to take days off to celebrate festivals where they leave food out for the dead and take part in unabashed sexual promiscuity. Now, I'll go to the callers now, and there's Mark from Wisconsin there. You there, Mark? Yes, I am. Hey, don't you think it's kind of funny how whenever you see those ultrasounds on TV, the baby's always jumping around? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. I wouldn't be yeah. If I, I think I'd be doing the same thing uh, if I was getting bombarded with yeah, those. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I was going to mention, uh, you know, in uh, Brave New World, how they uh, oxygen deprive the babies to... Uh, to make them stupid, to make them into slaves. Yeah, was it, that was the, the betas or the thetas, that's right. Yeah. Right. They started clamping the umbilical cord sometime here in the United States, I believe in the early 70s, and I can't find any medical, uh, any medical facts on why they did it or why they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. The, you know something, they're testing on the public all the time in different areas. I watched a, a, a DVD recently that was sent to me about how the U.S. medical, different hospitals were actually working with the government and they injected plutonium into uh, people's uh, arms and legs with massive syringes. Of course, the doctors were all wearing wearing lead gloves and shields, uh, telling these patients that they had cancer and this treatment could cure them. And then they told you that they, they didn't have cancer at all. 
they didn't have cancer at all. They lied to them from the beginning and used them as guinea pigs, and they all died of awful, terrible cancers that were caused by the, the radiation. You wouldn't believe what they're really doing in private, in secret, amongst the populations. Yep, the experiments go on. Hey, I was going to, could you go over some time this uh, Ayn Rand and, and Atlas Shrugged? Because I've been doing a little research on her, and she, she seems to come from the, the, the usual suspects. I mean, uh, she, she was, lived in Cremaria, the, you know, the Pale of Settlement, and she, she had a Bolshevik e- education. And then she comes over here, and she, she writes two best-selling books. She's writing Broadway plays. What can you tell me about this lady? Well, she, uh, she, I think it was Alice, uh, uh, was it Rothenbaum her name was? And, uh, she changed her name. She went right over and became the mistress of Lord Rothschild for a while. That was the first, uh, uh, guy she was the mistress of. And then she went right over to Hollywood where she mixed with the big Hollywood crowd and became a mistress of various ones at different times. And, um, if you, if you simply reverse the logic of the followers, and see it from her point of view, she's saying that those who are already masters of the world and geniuses should not be held back by the masses. Tie that in with today. The Rothschilds are taking over. They've got the World Bank on the go, the land for debt swap, which they get through the IMF. They've got the carbon tax things. They've got the whole world under their under their belts. Uh, she's basically uh, not not for the little guy with little gold pieces. She's not talking about them. She's talking about the geniuses who have got control already shouldn't be held accountable by the laws of the general population. They should be allowed to do what they want. That's what she was really saying. So yeah, so yeah, that's objectivism. Um, and so, uh, where did she get all this money to run all these social and psychological experiments on people in New York? Well, again, look, look at the company she kept. There's photographs, out, uh, photographs there that Einstein's one of her best pal, pals. Um, I see Lord Rothschilds and a whole bunch of other lords uh, were funding her. And I have no doubt, too, she was getting money funneled uh, through even all, all the big banking family channels, too. Yeah. Take it, Steve. Thanks a lot. Thanks for calling. Yeah, nothing's ever as it seems, and followers should always check and try to see it from their leader's point of view. She was talking about the ultra-elite. They were the ones that should go on and not be held accountable to the general public. From Hamish myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And your God or your gods go with you.